Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to a championship edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Some big names in week 16 came through for us, fellas. Guys like Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Lamar Jackson did his thing. Michael Thomas, of course, broke some records and won some people championships. Alvin Kamara even came through for those that still had him in a championship lineup. There were disappointments, of course, as well. Chris Carson got hurt. DeAndre Hopkins, what happened to him in a prime matchup on Saturday? Joe Mixon entered the game sick and under the weather, and uh, it was disappointing. It was supposed to be a prime spot. And then there were some surprises, fellas. Andy Dalton came through. If you had the guts, if you had the stones to play Andy Dalton, you, you have bigger stones than me. Uh, Daniel Jones, Mike Gusecki, if you were trying to stream a tight end. and Hunter Renfro, anybody out there win a championship on his back? Ryan, how did your championship weekend go to this point as we are recording once again on Sunday night? Yeah, I had, uh, I had seven title games. Uh, they're all... Mostly, I guess they're. I guess I can say they're all undecided. A couple of them certainly leaning one way or the other. But uh, some big games coming up in these in these primetime slates the next uh, the next two nights. So we'll see what happens. I'm if I can, you know, if I can get three or four, I'd I'd be happy. Yeah, I have seven as well, and none of them are decided. I'm, I'm way behind in one, uh, way ahead in another. And sweating the rest of them. Um, so we won't be talking about any Chiefs and Bears, and we won't be talking about any Packers and Vikings on this game, Matt. But we're all looking forward to those games. How's championship weekend treating you, buddy? It's good. I think I got two in the bag and two that are undecided. And uh, I think I might take down Pigs 1 uh, against the creator of that league, Scott Fish. So that's a nice notch in the belt if I can, can finish that. Yeah, one. humble brag there for sure. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm close to winning my first kitchen sink league, Ryan. We've, we've played in those for years now, and I've come close way too many times. I'm hoping to lock that thing down. So exciting time for all fantasy players, especially dynasty owners. If you if you built up a team over the last few years, if you've been if you took over some orphan out there, or you were you started a, a startup a few years ago and have slowly built up to finally get to this point, and you're about to win a championship in the next day or so. Congratulations to you, job well done, good work. We're going to continue our transaction theme, guys. We're going to start with the Saturday games. Matt, you had the Texans and the Buccaneers. That was an interesting one down there in Tampa. Yeah, I went with Brashad Perriman, uh, seven for seven catches, 102 yards. Not as nice as last week's three touchdown game, obviously, but still, you know, not a bad game for somebody that was probably not on a ton of rosters at this past off season, a lot of waiver wire pickups there. Uh, you know, a guy that wanted to get out of his uh, contract in Cleveland, they let him out, signed with Tampa, didn't really get an opportunity till, till Mike Evans went out. And then when Chris Godwin went out too, he was clearly the primary weapon there. So he kind of took advantage of that. Uh, I, I'm not a believer though. I think that's a, you know, an opportunity kind of thing. And I think once those two guys are back next year, he's probably not going to have that uh, if they even, uh, even bring him back for, for next season. So I think he's the type of player who, 
uh, with all of these 2020 rookies coming in, could be replaced pretty easily. So uh, I'm sure there will be some some uh, interest in him in the F in the, in the free agent pool, uh, but I don't I don't know. So uh, trades that have happened in the trade finder within the last month, Preston Williams straight up. I know we all like him, so I'd gladly move on from Perriman if I could get Preston Williams and his upside for the future. Uh, he went for a second round pick in 2020, a third multiple times. Johnu Smith for for Perriman and a fourth round pick. So I like picking up Johnu there. And then I think the the two most interesting ones I think are uh, just a just a random third round pick uh, so I'd like to see what you guys would do there and then straight up for Sammy Watkins which I know you know I still have a special place in my heart for Sammy Watkins for some reason I just can't let let go he's on one of the best offenses in the league all that stuff but he's just not producing uh, since week one basically and, and has never been a consistent producer throughout his year uh, throughout his career but for I think for some reason maybe it's dumb I don't know but I think I'm still taking Watkins on that side what do you guys think about that deal and like just for a single third straight up are you just taking anything for Perriman right now that well, you can get first for of all I don't I have a special place for Sammy Watkins but it's certainly not in my heart. Uh, that that guy can go away as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm not taking Watkins for Perriman. I'd rather have the, the roll of the dice. Yes, Watkins is on one of the best offenses, but not for long. He won't be there next year. Perriman, of course, has the chance to move on. Uh, the interesting thing for me, as you were talking there, Matt, I was thinking to myself, what if Watkins is not in Kansas City next year and Perriman finds his way over there? how that would change things and how, how those people that traded Behrman for a third would be regretting it. I tend to agree with you. Uh, he had that, that bust label, right, Ryan? He was a first-round pick for Baltimore and then kind of bounced around and landing in Tampa Bay was all right because he had an opportunity. But there were times this year that we were concerned about the rest of that depth chart. Guys that we hadn't even heard of before. Justin Watson was playing over him. Uh, so it's... Or, or getting an opportunity at least before the injuries really set in. Perriman was good. He was a nice pickup ad and a nice guy to, to throw in your lineup on championship week. I don't know if I'm expecting a whole lot more. So if you got out, if you got that second round pick, good for you. If you can get a third, I'm all right taking a third for Perriman. I am as well. And yeah, he certainly did earn the bust, uh, bust label earlier in his career. It's It's been a nice resurgence for him the past two years to kind of bounce back and um, and show that he, you know, his career is not going to be a complete waste. Uh, but as as a free agent, there's just there's so much uncertainty. I would actually prefer him to stay in Tampa Bay and maybe uh, be that third option behind the two stud receivers there. Uh, but maybe he's earned a, a decent payday. And but as I said, that's that's a lot of uncertainty and. Yeah, maybe he lands in Kansas City, but you know, odds are odds are not uh, likely there. So I would take any of those trades that Matt mentioned. And uh, Dan, you're you're crazy. I would easily take Sammy Watkins for him. That that <laughs> one's uh, that trade stands out as uh, I don't know, it really a surprise for me. Yeah, it's a surprise, and that was a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, my hatred for Sammy goes way back, I guess. One one other thing I think we should mention, and maybe we probably should have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, honestly, is you know some of these trades that we're seeing in the trade finder right now are going to be lopsided because we have contenders trading with 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 non contenders, and you know the guy pushing for the championship, like me and Dan, we might overpay a little bit for uh, to get an asset that we think is going to help us in a in a title game. So yeah, that, that that's out. pretty obvious that that was the case there. Somebody traded away Sammy for one week of Perriman, hoping to plug and play him. Uh, probably a Chris Godwin owner that made that trade. Let's move on to another one of Sammy Watkins' ex-teams, the Rams. They played the 49ers on Saturday as well. I had this game, and a guy that we haven't spent a whole lot on during his rookie season, but somebody we were all pretty interested in through the draft process and even in the preseason, I think, that's Daryl Henderson, course the backup running back for the Rams he's a buy for me at this point two carries just seven yards there were whispers coming out of LA that maybe he'd be he'd get a little bit more of an opportunity this week that seemed to be happening early in that game I think it was the third series of the game for Sean McVay's team that Daryl Henderson trotted onto the field and got the first two carries but he kind of stumbled off and looked like he maybe limped off a little bit. And I watched the whole game. I don't think I saw him again in the game. Uh, So he ends the game with just 
a pair of carries, just 10 carries in the last eight weeks, guys. Right now, his rushing line, 3.8 yards per carry, 39 carries for 147 yards. Has not found pay dirt just yet. Four catches for 37 yards as well. The buzz was was strong with this one, right, guys? It was it was a big deal. We all thought, saw what was happening to Gurley. He was falling down draft boards. There was there was those whispers again that Henderson would have a role on this team that hasn't really come to fruition, and it's showing up in the trades that I that I pulled up on that trade finder. Recent trades include Daryl Henderson for Naheem Hines, who is a superstar today, of course, as well, and Deshaun Hamilton. Rattler take Daryl Henderson in that one, obviously. Straight up for Latavius Murray. That's probably one of those trades you were talking about, Matt, uh, where maybe somebody needed a handcuff for a playoff run. Henderson and Irv Smith Jr. for DJ Chark. That one's a little bit more even, I think. That's an interesting deal. Henderson in two seconds for Sony Michelle. Give me Henderson and the two picks in that one in a heartbeat. Henderson is a really interesting asset for dynasty owners as we turn the corner and flip the page and, and move on to the dynasty offseason. He's going to be a target for a lot of people, but there are owners out there that have Daryl Henderson that are super disappointed in what he did throughout his rookie season on limited touches. There's probably an opportunity to buy here. Yeah, I think so. I, I love the buy call on Daryl Henderson. I, I think we might have talked about him sometime in the in the past couple of weeks or past few weeks, but definitely does not hurt to revisit that as uh, everything you said is is true as far as the offseason hype. I was looking at his uh, ADP recently, and this is true of so many rookies. When you, when you look at his positional rank in ADP, he started out – uh, February of 2019 as the RB34. Obviously, that was uh, before the draft, before we knew landing spot, and, and really before that uh, that offseason hype kicked in. So he was the RB34 at that point. Saw a lot of ups. Uh, w- was definitely rising uh, during that during the offseason. He's been falling since, uh, but now he's basically back to where he started. He's RB36 in our December ADP really, according to that, at least, has not lost much value. So if you can get him uh, in a trade at basically a discount in comparison to the picks that were spent on him in rookie drafts, I would try doing that. We we already heard rumors after that game that Todd Gurley will be gone this offseason. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, I, I, I am, I am still a little bit worried that he's going to be buried next year. I just, I have a hard time believing they're just going to hand the ball, hand the ball to him as the, as the feature back. Uh, you know, Gurley, unless they are just going to cut him and eat that salary. You know, I, I don't. I think he's still going to be there, so he's going to be eating in the touches. Malcolm Brown played pretty well, and he's going to be cheap next year on basically a million bucks for a, a backup running back uh, for for twenty twenty. So I, I don't. I think that he's probably going to stick around too. Uh, so I, I, I am cautiously buying, but I just, I, I have a feeling we're going to be waiting two years for, for, uh, uh, Henderson to really kind of break out a little bit. So I think it's a still kind of a long play. Yeah, maybe it's a long play. And we have to keep in mind that a lot of Gurley's struggles this year has to do with that offensive line and, and the problems they've had up front there. Those aren't just going to go away either. We, we certainly, whether Gurley's there or not, if they're able to move on from him, and even if Henderson is the one that takes over full time, they have some major issues to take care of up front on that offensive line. And unless those are addressed, we may see a lot of the same, although Henderson in his limited opportunities has looked explosive compared to Gurley, which is surprising to a lot of us. Let's move on to the Steelers and the Jets, Ryan. Yeah, I want to talk about Robbie Anderson here and uh, Anderson's had another really inconsistent season that we we see that a lot with players like him. You know, I think Deshaun Jackson is the one that gets referenced the most as that uh, that big play threat, that deep threat who is hit or miss on a week-to-week basis. That's what we saw with Anderson. And playing in an offense like the Jets, he's going to be even more volatile. Uh, he did have a couple of uh, top 10 wide receiver games this season, four games total inside the top 20. And he he only had a couple of catches this week, but did score a touchdown. And most importantly, when it comes to Anderson, is he is entering free agency. uh, And I would say almost a lock to be finding a new team, which I think is a great thing for his value. Pretty cheap as well. 
Uh, he is the uh, he's the wide receiver 46 now in our ADP, uh, which is a, a big time discount from his high mark. He was wide receiver 36 just less than a year ago. So he's seen some loss in value probably because of that, uh, that up and down weekly scoring multiple trades in our trade finder for a second round pick straight up. I think that's worth taking a, uh, worth taking a shot on Anderson, hoping he lands in one of those good spots we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I like that call. We talked about Jamison Crowder last week and, and I talked about how I, I wouldn't mind having him on teams. He's a guy that I want because he's so cheap. And a lot of the things I said about Crowder apply to Anderson as well. They're both free agents. They both have the opportunity to move on. And if they find themselves in a good situation, they could, could move up draft boards and, and suddenly provide some value. I do think that Anderson gets, kind of a bad rap as this inconsistent player. A lot of his struggles in the mid- middle of the season were when Sam Darnold wasn't there over the last handful of weeks since Darnold's returned. We've seen stat lines like four for 86 in a touchdown, seven for 101, seven for 117 in a score, four for 66. And then on, in week 16, championship week, two for 32. And that incredible touchdown catch he made in blanket coverage that was impressive for sure. I like Anderson as well. Those price, prices certainly are um, relatively cheap. And especially if you can buy him before he hits the open market and before we know that landing spot, there's a chance that he's going to be one of those under-the-radar receivers that hits free agency. All it takes is one offense out there, one coaching staff really, to see him as the missing piece to the puzzle. And if he finds his way onto that team, we, he could be in for a big spike in value. Matt, let's talk about the Bills and the Patriots. You had this one. Yeah, this one I'm not 100% sure on. I think this is going to be more of a discussion topic to see how you guys feel about this player. But Devin Singletary, I, I, I feel like I want to sell him. And here, here's where I'm at with him. If I can get any first, random first, late first, whatever it is, I think I'm taking that right now for Devin Singletary. But if, but if someone... Uh, if someone is only willing to give me a second, then I'm probably going to hold. So if that, if that make any sense for you, to you guys, I just I don't I think he's that one of those players again that we talk about that's worth less than a first, more than a, more than a second. Uh, but I don't think I'd give two seconds for him. I'm not even sure if I give a second and third for him because as we know, this this class looks really deep. So especially those early second round picks are going to look like uh, uh, I think they'll look a little bit better, maybe at least in terms of perception than what we think of Devin Singletary right now. Only one 100 yard game this season. He has been relatively impressive. And, and limited work, you know, sharing the carries with, with Frank Gore. I just don't feel like he's a back that they're going to ever uh, just make him the, the lead guy. So it, 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 I think that there's a chance that you can get one of those guys or at least a player at a, uh, you know, at a wide receiver that has a little bit more upside in, in this upcoming class. And if we're talking about super flex leagues, you know, I, you know, those quarterbacks are going to push down some of those good players too. So if I can get a late force for him, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sell him. There's not a whole lot of activity in the trade finder right now. Somebody did move a 2021 first round pick for him. Uh, that, that's probably right on the line for me, I, depending on what my team looks like. If I think I'm a year or two away, I think I'd probably go ahead and make that move for the 2021 first. But if I'm planning on competing in 2020, then uh, I'm probably not going to go ahead. I'm probably going to go ahead and hold on to to Singletary at that point. So uh, I don't really know. He's a confusing player for me. I liked him a lot in the pre-draft process before the combine. Then we saw the the lack of athletic measurables come out. That said, he's still been the same player in college, that shifty guy who's able to make players miss. You know, there were comps to uh, early LaShawn McCoy at some point. Uh, I don't think he was that guy, especially based on the long speed, but, you know, maybe with the shiftiness. So I don't know. I, I don't really know how to feel about him right now. So if I can get a first, I'm taking it. If I can't, then I guess I'm holding for 2020. Matt, I'm completely over everything that happened at the combine and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff with Singletary. And, and I think you kind of alluded to it. You probably are too. Dynasty owners should be over it. That spark score really doesn't matter. Like you said, what he did in college, what you saw him do, on Saturdays, it's transferred over to Sundays. We're we're seeing it, and and you did mention that you're not sure if he's if he's that lead tailback for the Bills. He he really has been for the last five or six years, or five or six uh, weeks at least. Fifteen carries, twenty one carries, fourteen, seventeen, twenty one, and then fifteen in week sixteen. He also has a six catch game in that span. It feels like they're 
they're really shining the spotlight on him. He's the focal point of that backfield. I think the line for me is a little bit higher. It's probably in the middle of the first round. I think he's the type of guy that we could get into the pre into the season or into the off season, start getting close to the draft, or maybe even when a draft pick is on the clock. If you have a late pick and you're looking at this class and not really sure about the the players that you're getting. Maybe go into the Singletary owner in that late first and saying, hey, you want this pick? I want Singletary. Is there somebody you want more than him? That's the kind of move I could see happening this offseason. Feels like that Bill's coaching staff is in love with him and thinks he's the real deal. Um, I'm, I'm going to follow that. And he's a guy I want on my teams for sure. I didn't get him in enough drafts or, or really any drafts this offseason because of that spark score and, and everything that went down at the combine. I regret that because like you, Matt, I liked him before all that stuff came out. Uh, regretting it now, for sure. I think I'm probably siding more with Matt on this one. I would I would take basically any first for him. Um, he has been impressive overall. I guess my only concern is it, it feels like he hasn't really had that that ceiling game, that wow game that really kind of puts him on the map. And, and I'm just starting to wonder what his ceiling is on a week to week basis. Is he just that solid uh, RB two type or is there possibly more there? Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that for sure, because that is the thing that's missing with the exception of the 21 carry for 160 or 106 yard game that he had against Denver in week 12 he hasn't eclipsed the hundred yard mark. Lots of games in the eighties and nineties, of course, early in the season when he was getting very limited touches, we saw those, you know, like opening weekend, four carries for 70 yards. We thought, wow, this is the kind of guy that on limited touches can make, make a big impact. Then the injury came that might've affected that, that middle of the year, slump or drought or those low numbers that he had of course Gore was getting a lot of carries then I don't know if the answer is is really going to show itself this year I more than anything I believe in the touches and everything coming out of Buffalo that they like him so much uh anybody investing a first round pick in Devin Singletary is obviously thinking he's going to be the lead pack going forward though for sure Let's move on to the Jaguars and the Falcons, guys. I had this game, and I picked DJ Chark. Just two catches, 18 yards on seven targets, including a couple of red zone targets, one at the goal line to end the game. He was playing through an ankle injury this week after missing last week with that injury. Didn't seem like himself on the field. Seemed seemed a little slower, a little hobbled, trying to gut it out. He's just 26 yards shy of a thousand yard season as eight touchdowns for the Jags this year. But he's the he's the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. All that stuff from the combine a couple of years ago, it shows on the field. He's fast. He's powerful. He can jump out of the building, uh, makes plays on the ball, above the rim kind of player. I I I've been impressed. I think Ryan and I had multiple discussions about DJ Chark and how how we weren't convinced when he was coming out of college. It appears we were wrong. I'm not sure if the slow finish to the season is going to create some kind of buying window. Maybe if he he has another tough week in week 17 or if he isn't able to play in week 17, that'll create something. There's there wasn't a lot of recent trade activity on the trade finder. I saw a Chark and Rashad Penny for Julio as the only one in the last week. That was an interesting deal for sure. Uh Chark is a guy that because he's so young and cuz he has all the all the he checks all the boxes. He he runs, he he jumps, he catches everything close to him. It seems like he's the kind of guy I want on my team. Love to hear what you guys think. I I totally agree. Uh he's it, it, you look at you look at his breakout season and, and yeah, Dan, you're right. He he was certainly a guy I was not a believer in and then after his rookie season uh, felt even stronger about that, of course. I obviously wish I had targeted him targeted him now because you look at you look at his ADP in April of this past year so we're talking right around draft time he was the wide receiver 104 in our ADP outside of the top 100 wide receivers now he's the wide receiver uh, 19 so just just a huge breakout season I totally agree maybe a, a slow end to the season uh, especially if it is because of a, a relatively minor injury uh, that would that would open that buying window, which would be uh, a great thing for savvy dynasty players. Yeah, I, I was in, 
I didn't think I thought they were going to shut, shut him down for the rest of the season. And honestly, I'm a little bit happy, at least from a value standpoint, that they did put him out there this week because we, you know, if if he was just out for the rest of the season, the injury, we would remember what he had been doing. And now we have these these little bit low lights as we exit the season here. And I, I don't think any player has changed their game as much as Chark has from from year one to year two, uh, at least from that from that 2018 class. So uh, I'm very excited about Chark. I am not excited that I have zero shares of Chark because, like you guys, I was not interested last year. He seemed like a very rigid kind of player, just a straight line speed guy, which they had, you know, guys like that already in Jacksonville. Um, and then this year, you see that body control in the air. Uh, not, not he's not DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, but you know, he, he he makes plays like that sometimes on the sidelines. So uh, no player has has impressed me more from year one to year two uh, from this past rookie class of DJ Chark. So if I can get him for any of the ideal you mentioned, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the Chark side easy. I think I might even. This might be a little bit crazy. I don't know, but I think I might even take Chark straight up for Julio and Penny's kind of a, a cherry on top there in that particular deal. Yeah, that's interesting. I, w- I wanted to know from you guys because you know Jackson. We've seen this with Jacksonville. We've seen these wide receivers kind of emerge over the last handful of seasons. Guys like Marquise Lee had his run. Keelan Cole finished a season with the with a big spurt of fantasy points. D.D. Westbrook has been there now for a while, and and he's had his run a little bit as well. It feels like it's different with Chark, that he's the true alpha of this group. Obviously, there's quarterback issues and a a lot of other concerns down there in Jacksonville that we're going to have to kind of siphon through throughout the offseason. We're not going to see the wide receiver one in Jacksonville, DJ Chark, disappear like these other guys, right? I, I don't think so. I, I think he looks more legit than any of the other guy, but whether it's Keelan Cole we're talking about, Marquise Lee several years ago, uh, I think he's shown way more than any of those guys ever did. Not necessarily from a number standpoint, but what we've seen on the field, I, th- I think he's shown way more than those guys. There are dynasty owners out there, I think, that that just they can't trust Jacksonville. A lot of dynasty owners out there can't trucks the Bengals or the Browns have burned them so many times because the hype it gets out of control I don't know if that helps if there's a window though he, he's a nice target especially at the beginning of this coming off season let's talk about the Raiders and the Chargers Ryan who do you have here you want to talk about Austin Eckler here he um had a had a solid game today four rushes only four rushes for 11 yards uh, but five catches for 58 yards that puts him up to 950 receiving yards uh on the season, he's only the fifth player since the merge to uh, the fifth running back, I should say, to reach those numbers and obviously just needs 50 yards next week to hit the thousand yard mark, which would which would be a huge deal. And if he if he can come up with 100 receiving yards, he sets the all time record would break Marshall Fox number there. Uh, but it, uh, not just a, a, a one week deal with him, of course, seven RB one games this year. Many of those came before. Uh, before Melvin Gordon reported back to the team and ended his holdout. But Eckler has kept it up, and um, I I think it's very fair to say uh, overall he has outplayed Melvin Gordon uh, even in their their games when they were both on the field. And the the ADP and the trades just have not caught up. Eckler for Ebron and a third-rounder. Eckler for Rex Burkhead and a second-rounder. Eckler for Ronald Jones, a second- and a fourth-rounder. All of those are slam dunks. Melvin Gordon is a free agent this year and uh, after this year, and the the assumption is he will not be back. Eckler's also a free agent, but he's restricted, and I would expect after this year the uh, the Chargers, especially with a, a potential quarterback change, do everything they can to retain him and 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 keep some uh, fluidity there with that backfield. Of course, I mean they're going to bring in somebody else to replace Gordon if if he leaves. But uh, Eckler has, uh, I think, has proven that he's going to be a consistent fantasy producer for us. And honestly, I think he's knocking on the door of being a dynasty RB one. Yeah, he's really close. And and what makes him so dynamic for dynasty owners is really twofold. The reasons first because the value hasn't caught up. You you mentioned those numbers. Every one of those trades, first of all landslide in Eckler's favor uh where he's going in ADP is is really ridiculous and he's already the other side of it he's already proven that no matter who else is there he had Melvin Gordon uh a top five 
dynasty running back, one of the one of the running backs that I think every dynasty owner wanted, every every NFL team would have liked to have on their team. He had him as the competition and outshined him easily. So we haven't talked about Eckler in, in a handful of weeks for sure. He got snubbed on the Pro Bowl. That really stinks. He was a guy that I know you were really high on, Ryan, in the offseason this past year. So you're not even going to have to pay those prices. You have him already. I bought him because you talked me into it. So I thank you for that. And I, it really feels like he's, I think I said it earlier this year, the leader in the clubhouse to be the guy in that backfield next season. And at those prices, with with the pass catching chops that he has, it feels like a no brainer to go get Austin Eckler for 2020. Matt, if you don't have anything to add on Eckler, let's talk about the Ravens and the Browns. I feel like you have a really good topic for this. Yeah. Another player that I just want to talk about because we've seen obviously an incredible season from Lamar Jackson. Uh, We also saw an incredible season from Patrick Mahomes last year, and we saw some regression hit this year. Say it's because of the injuries, whatever uh, you want to you want to call it. Uh, He's obviously still been really good this year, but uh, but but his value has certainly fallen from where it was at the end of last season. So I kind of want to pose the question: You know, is it is it dumb to sell Lamar Jackson right now? Because in a super flex format, I feel like you can literally write your ticket with this guy and what he's doing. I think in a one quarterback league, no matter what you're going to get from him, unless you're, you know, getting a a top five asset at running back or wide receiver, I I don't think it's necessarily worth it to sell Lamar Jackson, a one quarterback league because there's so few different makers, difference makers at that position uh, that you might as well have keep him if you have him. You probably drafted him or uh, you know maybe trade him for him cheap as rookie year or something like that. You probably didn't pay the prices that are going he's going for right now. Uh, so I, I kind of want to sell him in a super flex league, you guys. Uh, if I can, if I can, like let me just say this: like if I could uh, pivot from Lamar Jackson to Saquon Barkley in a super flex league, are you doing that? If you could, if you could pick up Christian McCaffrey for Lamar Jackson straight up, are you doing that? I, I kind of think that I am. I think the one argument against it is that he's a quarterback; he's going to play longer than these running backs. So maybe you'd rather have one of these, you know, a t- top, top wide receiver instead. But you know, the argument is still the same. I think, uh, but and I, and I don't think that the injury argument or the length of time playing is necessarily as strong for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson because you know as, as as much as we've seen him avoid big hits although he did take a big one today from a linebacker on the sideline uh you know there I think there is an opportunity increased opportunity for him for over most quarterbacks even Patrick Mahomes if we're being honest for him to get hurt uh and that really affecting the the thing that makes him so attractive and that's obviously that we're getting both running back uh production and and what and quarterback production out of this guy so in a super flex format I think if I can to pivot to a top asset at another uh, position, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I don't think I would ever sell him for just picks. I mean, if we're talking, you know, some ridiculous place like Saquon was going for last year, four or five first round picks, uh, I'm not sure how you get get away from that. But, you know, a more reasonable offer, like in the two to three first reigns, I don't think I'm ever taking that uh, just picks for, for Lamar Jackson. But if I can pivot to Saquon or McCaffrey or uh, maybe a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later or, or, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a trade for Mike Evans in here. I'm not sure if I would quite do that. That's a little bit outside of that range, but I think it's at least worth uh, investigating and reaching out to your league mates and seeing if anybody wants to pay up for Lamar Jackson. Cause I think you could pretty much get anything you want. Yeah. If you, if they're going to pay up, I think I'm okay with it. You know, for me, it comes down to like right now, if you had, if you had Patrick Mahomes, do you wish right now that you had traded him at his peak after last season, Matt? <sighs> Again, I don't think so in a one in a one quarterback league, but in a super flex, I I, I kind of think I I do. I th- kind of think I would if I could get, again if I could get one of these one of these uh, top backs like this uh, that that is going to produce on a similar level as these guys at a position that's much more important for fantasy. So uh, I, I think I I kind of do. Ryan, do you want to chime in on Jackson? Yeah, well, actually, I, I think I think there's a bigger conversation here than just trading Mahomes, trading Jackson, because for so long we have advocated waiting on quarterback and uh, just in general punting the quarterback position because for five or six years now we've had these guys, these veterans who have been undervalued. uh, And, of course, we're talking Breeze and Rivers and Brady and uh, Roethlisberger. Um, All of those guys have been around uh, of course, for a long time now, and they've produced as QB1s, high-end QB2s, and it, it's basically been a free ticket 
for a, a starting quarterback on a weekly basis. And as I look at our our quarterback rankings at DLF, I think we might be starting to change here. We might be going away from that late round quarterback uh, strategy because the quarterback position's drying up right now. If you have Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Watson, you feel great. But right now, Matthew Stafford is a quarterback one in our rankings. He's the quarterback 12. Jared Goff is the is the QB 11. Baker Mayfield is nine. Uh, I don't feel great if those are my starters in a one quarterback league. And if I if I have the luxury of having Mahomes or Jackson, I want to hang on to that. And that's even more true in a super flex league. So if I am moving either of those guys, I'm not going far down that line. If I can get Watson and something else, if I can get Kyler Murray and something else, then I would consider that. But I mean, even Murray has has some risk because last year we would have said the same thing about a guy like Baker Mayfield, and now he's uh, he's taken a step back. So I think the the entire quarterback field is going to be an interesting topic this offseason. Yeah, it certainly will. And we could do an entire episode on, on how Jackson's value compares to the top of the other positions. Maybe that's a good idea for the offseason, for sure. But you made a lot of the points that I was going to make when I asked Matt about Mahomes. Because even though Mahomes took a, a relatively drastic step back for most dynasty owners that owned him, he was the cheat code last year. You won championships on his back with an average lineup otherwise. And now Jackson is doing the same thing. And still, Patrick Mahomes is a magician. He's still carrying fantasy teams, and he's not having that level of season. He's still very, very good and putting up those numbers. But he's the kind of guy you, you need in your lineup every week. And the only way to beat Lamar Jackson in this, this week in title games is to get lucky with one of those quarterbacks that we talked about, like Daniel Jones or, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, or have the other guy that's going to do that. And it's probably going to be Mahomes. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with you really. I'm holding the quarterback. If I got him particularly in the super flex leagues, a quarterback I'm not holding on to played in the Broncos and the lions game. Actually, both of the quarterbacks that played in that one, I'm not looking to hold on to drew lock. The stats look good in week 16, 25 for 33, 192 yards, a touchdown did not throw in interception, he has won three of his four starts, including a big game a few weeks ago where he went 22 of 27 for 309 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick against Houston. Six touchdowns and three picks in four games as a starter for Denver. But he missed multiple throws today. I watched every throw he's made so far as a rookie. It's not just today. He's had open receivers. Cortland Sutton was was open in the end zone today, and he threw the ball behind him. And the announcers were so annoying. They were just salivating on the play that Darius Slay made. If he, if he makes the throw, if he throws it out in front of him like a professional quarterback does, Cortland Sutton catches a touchdown. It was kind of annoying. I, I didn't like – I don't really like how Drew Locke is playing. He doesn't look like the answer to me. I think we, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Ryan, you were talking about him as a buy. Has that changed at all? I feel like he's a sell. I want to get out while I can because Denver is going to move on. Yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to price, of course. And even in a super flex league, I, I don't think the uh, the price has gotten crazy on lock yet. Uh, I, there hasn't been much hype. Maybe that's because uh, Denver has, has just struggled over all this season and dynasty players are, are kind of moving on and worried about the playoffs and maybe not even paying much attention to him. I, I still think he's a buy. I think he's the starter next year, at least at the beginning of the season. Uh, or, or going into the season, I should say. As I said, the price I don't think has caught up yet, so I would be buying. I, I I get your concerns, though. I just feel like they don't have many other options. Yeah, I I think I side more with Ryan. I, I again, I guess it depends on the price. If it's a late first, I think it's. I, I think it again. I keep saying this, but maybe maybe just on that borderline of a late first or a couple of second round picks. But you know, he's 
he's a rookie. He just got in the game. We've only seen a few games of him here. I know he's been up and down, but I, I do think he's bought himself at least a full year as a starter, unless something crazy happens. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of attractive uh, uh, veterans in the free agent market this year. So some teams are going to be questioning what they have and if they can improve on that. Uh, but you know, they last year they went out and got Joe Flacco. So <laughs> that didn't work out. I think some of the quarterbacks available going to be available this year, whether it's Winston or uh, Cam Newton or somebody, somebody like this, maybe they could come in and supplant him. But if they aren't willing to go out and spend, you know, a hundred million dollars on a quarterback, I, I think that Locke is going to get at least another full season to, to show what he can do. And then at that point, we'll obviously have to, to figure out what we're going to do in dynasty and it could certainly crash and burn. But if I'm looking for a cheap starter and, and a super flex right now, I think you could do, I think you could do worse than Drew Locke. So I think I, I, I want to cautiously buy depending on the price. If I can get him right between that first and second round value somewhere in there, uh, then I'm okay. Go ahead and buying him. Ryan, do you think there's people out there willing to give a late first for Drew Locke? I mean, I'm not, and and I I seem to like him. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm taking a late first in a heartbeat. I'm taking two seconds easily. Uh, it it seems like a like maybe my line is is different than than where your guys might be. I don't think so. I I would sell for a late first if I if I had Drew Locke even in a super flex league. Two seconds would be close for me, probably so with this class. It, it still looks uh, pretty loaded and, and some strong options into that second round. So uh, I would do that. But if we're talking one first, especially if it's not an – I'm sorry, one second, especially if it's not an early second, I think that's a, a good price to pay for Locke. Yeah, maybe maybe if somebody offers a, a mid to late second, it's – it's a question mark. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'd, I'd wait to see if there's some hype in the off season or something like that. Uh, but certainly if I can get two seconds, I'm, I'm moving on from Drew Locke. Ryan, the Cardinals upset the Seahawks on Sunday. Who do you want to talk about in this one? Yeah, this was an ugly game for Seattle. Um, I don't want to necessarily focus on this guy, but it is worth noting that it looks like Chris Carson's season is over with a hip injury. Um, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, Matt, I think you had him as a sell. We might've missed our window with that. We know he always loses value in the off season. So, uh, he might turn into a buy. I want to focus on the rookie DK Metcalf though. He was disappointing, uh, in his own way, did not catch a ball. And on championship week, that will really stand out to fantasy players. Of course, he's another player. It feels like he's gained a ton of value, but if you, uh, judge it by our dynasty ADP in February of 2019. He was the wide receiver 25. He's now up to wide receiver 22. So basically a very similar price to what he entered the league at is where he is now. We've talked a lot about the breakout seasons for DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton, AJ Brown, another rookie receiver and Metcalf's former teammate. I think maybe those guys are even overshadowing Metcalf I would be buying him aggressively if possible. Uh, a couple of the trades in the trade finder, I think are slam dunks DK for Todd Gurley, even up and DK for the Washington running backs, Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson. That one's that, oh. that one's pretty laughable. So if, if those are the prices I'm buying all day long and, and really just like I said last week with Brown, I know the price is going to be high. This, we're talking a, a productive young receiver. The prices are not, this is not going to be a guy you can go out and buy low, but he's another guy just like Brown that I would consider, uh, in that, uh, in that Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen range. Yeah, and the thing with him is he's attached to a very good quarterback in an offense that we all want a piece of, I think. Um the only other quarterback or the only other wide receiver of note on the roster is the complete opposite of him, the speed threat, the little guy that that streaks down the down the sideline rather than DK's uh overpowering demeanor and his big body and and all those things, the guy on the goal line that's going to sky over a defensive back and and get those kind of targets. So I love DK as by as well. Matt, let's move on to the Panthers 
and the Colts. Yeah, I took T.Y. Hilton here. I think he is a pretty easy buy for the prices that he's going for for a contender. 20, 20 seconds straight up. Like That seems a very cheap price to get a rock-solid uh, wide receiver two for 2020. I know he's getting up there in age, but uh, I think when he's healthy, he's proven he can still produce, and the guy is such a competitor. Uh, so 20, 20 second is an easy buy for me for T.Y. Hilton. 20, 20 first for Hilton and a 20, 21 first. So basically you're just moving your first ahead a year uh, and picking up Hilton. In a one quarterback league, Deshaun Watson and, and uh, Tyler Boyd, and you get Hilton, Thielen, and Jameis Winston for those guys. For again, a quarterback in a in a one quarterback league, not not going to pull the same prices, uh, but I still like that deal. And then Ronald Jones in a third round pick, I just that just seems like a slap in the face. And again, maybe it's just one of these uh, deals where somebody's looking to pick up some pieces for their for their title run uh, and, and and getting rid of pieces that aren't going to be playing for them. So if that's the case, I understand it, but. These these prices right now, and especially like a twenty twenty second round pick. If you're if you're a playoff team, uh, this is this is an easy deal for me to go ahead and get Hilton, a guy I just I've loved throughout his career. And uh, I think even if if it's Jacoby Brissett, if it's somebody else, hey, maybe Andrew Luck has a change of heart this uh, this off season. Who knows? Uh, but I think whatever quarterback there is going to really like throwing to Hilton. He's still the only game in town. Say what you want about Zach Pascal or any of these uh, other guys that that they've brought in. Uh, I just think that he is clearly the number one target there, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, which quarterback it's going to be. Uh, I, I like that team. I like its the offensive philosophy that they have going. So I want to buy Hilton this offseason. I think he's just going to get cheaper from here on out before we hit uh, right before the season in 2020. Yeah, those those prices are cheap for sure. And I've been a Hilton fan for a long time as well. Uh, had a nice start to the season, five touchdowns in his first five games, multiple eight catch games. Although he didn't have that huge 120 yard game, he 60, 80, those types of games before the injury set in. The thing about T.Y. Hilton is these injuries are multiplying a little bit. He's been struggling with them for, for really a, a big piece of his career. Um, on the wrong side of 30 now, I think he just turned 30. Uh, last month so it, he's he's certainly a fringe guy I, I like those prices if you can get him for a second and you need especially if you're sliding him in as a wide receiver three on a contending roster next year I don't mind those types of moves for sure those are the kinds of moves I like to make I'm leery though with Hilton overall yeah I I, I see both sides of this conversation but in the end we have we have essentially reached the offseason and we know what happens to veteran value in the offseason. So whether you're buying Hilton or if you want to buy Julio Jones or A.J. Green or any of these veteran receivers or, or really veterans at any position, I would endorse that because nine times out of ten, their price is going to be cheaper now than it will be uh, in season once, once 2020 season kicks off. Yeah, good advice for sure. I had the Bengals and the Dolphins. This game was interesting. If you had fantasy players in it, you were entertained in the fourth quarter and overtime for sure as the Bengals came back. I want to talk about that running back that was supposed to light things up against the Dolphins in championship week. That's Joe Mixon, just 50 yards rushing. He had 21 carries in the game, two catches for 23 yards receiving as well. He played through an illness. It was reported Sunday morning. If Unless you had a really good pivot, you were rolling with Joe Mixon. Still got that workload. He he looked sluggish. He didn't look the same like the same kind of guy that we've got to know over the last handful of weeks, especially the last six weeks or so. He's been on a torrid pace. He's been a running back one over that time. Uh, he really, he, he should have rolled this week and he didn't. So I hope this opens up some kind of buying window for him. Maybe he either doesn't play or, or doesn't play well again next week when, when Cincinnati's back on the schedule for their final game. Um, he's getting that workhorse lo- workload, averaging 21 carries and about three catches per game over his last eight games. Guys, I'm convinced that if, if the NFL had held like a startup draft, Joe Mixon would be one of the first five running backs selected. He is so good, and he's outplayed everybody else around him, but that team is so poor that that he just can't shine. He, he'd be putting up games like Saquon Barkley puts up, and he'd be doing the things that Alvin Kamara does if he was used that way. He could be peak Todd Gurley. I really believe that. I don't know if it's going to change while Joe Mixon is still the same guy in Cincinnati, but I really hope it does. I'm going to buy him. There's not a lot of trades in the trade finder that are very helpful. 
I'm, I'm certainly looking at Joe Mixon as a guy, even though I always caution about investing in Cincinnati, he's a guy on one of my teams. Again. Yeah, I agree. We, uh, I think I'd pay a first and a second for him right now. I don't think I'd quite get to that two first level for, for Joe Mixon, but uh, he, he's been, you know, b- before this week, he's been excellent the last few, several weeks. Clearly the, the only real thing in that running game and, and maybe the offense in general. I know a lot of people like Tyler Boyd and he played well today, but I really think Mixon is the, the key focus of that offense. They're only going to get better. They're going to get Jonah Williams back next year, healthy their first round pick from this year. They're going to have the number one overall pick. So, you have to think. I know it's Cincinnati, but you have to think they're they're gonna they're gonna start getting better, right, guys? I mean, we can't go down as as Marvin Lewis as the best head coach in in uh, Bengals history. So I want to believe that they're gonna get better. I want to believe in Joe Mixon, Bill Belichick said he's the best back in the league. Whatever you want to say about that, but I really do like the talent. I think he has the upside to be one of those top five running backs that we count on every week. It's just really the team around him. You know, maybe we have to wait for him to get out of Cincinnati for some reason. But uh, I like the direction of this team once we hit the offseason and they get some draft picks on there and once we get Jonah Williams back on, back for the team in 2020. Yeah, I don't know if you all, you all saw my uh, conspiracy theory about Joe Mixon uh, earlier in the week, but we did hear Bill Belichick praise him. We heard Tom Brady praise him after their game last week or the week before, and we don't we don't usually get that from the Patriots too much about opposing players. So you think about the Patriots running game obviously has let them down this year. Joe Mixon's going to be a free agent after the 2020 season and certainly going to be looking for a big payday. So I would love to see some type of Sony Michelle and a draft pick for Joe Mixon trades. Uh, that would be, that would be a real boom to his value. Oh, don't tease us, Ryan. That sounds so good. We're we're going to start the rumors now for sure. Oh, uh, Ryan, you had the Cowboys and the Eagles. You want to talk about another rookie receiver? I do. I do. I think I think the plan is just going to be to buy all of these rookies. JJ Arcega Whiteside really has struggled this year obviously. Um didn't get much playing time at the beginning of the year. The injuries to Aguilar and Deshaun Jackson and and uh, Alshon Jeffrey has forced him into the lineup, still has has struggled. His two catches for 39 yards today actually might be one of his better games. Uh, but again, same same story as these other guys. His value is, uh, according to ADP at least, has actually uh, slightly improved. Wide receiver 53 uh, in February, wide receiver 52 now. So again, lots of ups and downs for him, but still going to cost in that second round range. We saw a lot of those types of trades on the trade finder. JJ Arcega Whiteside for a second rounder, one for a second and third rounder. Arcega Whiteside and Marvin Jones for Wayne Gallman in a second rounder. So uh, virtually just a second rounder there as well. Uh, I'm paying that for him. I'm, I'm still a believer. And you look at all those uh, those name that, names that I mentioned for the Eagles, None of those guys are long-term options. Uh, in fact, some of them may not even be there next year. So I think he'll continue to continue to get an opportunity, continue to improve. Uh, hopefully, uh, he was kind of a, a slow, um, kind of a project even in college. He was not a guy who broke out as a freshman like some of these other receivers. Uh, so really, not surprised to see this. We we were told all last offseason he would be kind of a, a red shirt type guy and would take a, a year or two to uh, really acclimate to the NFL. You know, Ryan, those, those two catches for 39 yards came in the first quarter at real early in the game might've been even on the first drive of the game. And I thought to myself for a moment, this could be yep. it. This is yeah. the opportunity, you know, Ertz got banged up then. And then we just never saw him again. In fact, he wasn't even targeted again in the game. So, and he does look the part he, he runs fast and he's a bigger guy and he, he just looks like an NFL receiver and, and, you know, he's 6'2", 225, a little bit of that Alshon Jeffrey mold. He kind of looks like him out there. He just hasn't, it hasn't come together yet. Hopefully the game slows down for him for sure, because he's a guy I'm investing in as well. Matt, let's talk about the Saints and the Titans. Yeah, this is another speculative. And actually, I, I wrote this down while he, while Alvin Kamara was sitting at, I don't remember what it was, like six or seven so total touches late in the second quarter for like 30 yards, something like that. And it was looking like we were going to have another disappointing Alvin Kamara game. So I wrote him down as a buy at that point. 
Uh, but you know, he, he ended his nine game streak with no touchdowns and on that 40 yard touchdown run kind of broke open the game for him and really came through fantasy owners this week. So maybe he's not, maybe he's, his value is going to completely bounce back. Uh, but, uh, on the trade finder, AJ Brown straight up, look, I love AJ Brown, but give me Alva Kamara for, for him there. Uh, he went for two first multiple times, two first and a second. So, uh, I was really curious about what the community thought. So I went to Twitter and put up a couple of polls. I have a, I don't know, about a hundred, hundred or so, uh, votes in each of those the last couple of hours. Uh, so one of the polls was what was the most you would pay for Alvin Kamara and about 56% of, of the people that responded said two twenty twenty first or more. Uh, 44% again, between one, one first, but less than two first. Um, so, you know, I think there's an opportunity maybe to buy there for two 2021st. And then the least amount that you would sell him for 85% of responders said that they would pay, uh, uh, two firsts or more for him. Of that, 47% said two firsts exactly, and 38% said more than two firsts. So there seems to be an overlap there. Like if you are ready to go out and pay two first round picks for Alvin Kamara, I think you might be able to do that in some leagues. And for me, that's a price I'm still willing to pay for him. Uh, I still believe in him. You know, I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Drew Brees if they win the Super Bowl. Maybe he retires. But I still believe in that team, that coach, that offense in general. So uh, two first seems like a deal for Kamara right now for me. He is getting close to that. You know that next contract that we've talked about earlier this offseason where maybe once they get that second contract maybe it's time to move on but I think he's going to be valuable again in 2020 for sure so if I'm a competing team and I have two firsts to give I'm happy to go buy Alvin Kamara right now oh yeah me too for sure Ryan I I know you guys on the Dynasty Blueprint had a really good conversation about Alvin Kamara this week a, a lot of conversation about the injury that happened earlier this season and whether that was lingering and and if that was affecting that coaching stack staff if Sean Payton wasn't giving him that same kind of workload that we've we've hoped that he'd have this year because of a, a lingering issue with that with that leg and I'm not sure if that's true he doesn't he doesn't break quite as many tackles as maybe he did early this season and, and did last year. So I tend to subscribe to that theory. I tend to think he's easily worth those two first rounders. I was the guy paying three plus first rounders, three first and a second, those kind of deals this past off season. It's been a little bit of a disappointing season. I wouldn't call him a bust like some people do. And two touchdowns championship week certainly help out on that. But he's he, another guy. I want him on my team, and that seems like a bargain to get him for two firsts. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I do think it's the ankle still kind of lingering. I mean, we, we've seen the same thing with, with Barkley this year and uh, people, especially redraft players, referring to those two guys as bust can only help us in the dynasty community to, to maybe get a discount on those elite players who wouldn't have been available uh, typically. Yeah, speaking of Barkley, what a game championship week. He's carrying some people on their backs. Let's talk about the Giants. I'm not going to talk about Barkley. Instead, I'll pick Evan Ingram. He's a buy. 44 catches, 467 yards, and three touchdowns in his eight games. All of us were hoping this year that he'd be that high-end, tight-end one. He showed spurts of that, of course. He played just 11 games last year, but 15 as a rookie. Went on IR this week with that foot injury. But he's getting that reputation, guys, as the injury-prone guy, the the athletic freak that can't stay healthy. I don't know if that's fair necessarily. Trades recently are all over the place. Recently went straight up for Julio Jones, straight up for Darren Waller, straight up for Tyler Boyd, Ingram and Zach Pascal for Tevin Coleman in a first. What are you guys paying for Ingram? I imagine we're all still buying, right? Yeah, I'm still buying a first easily. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a late first, but I, I I would pay probably up to, I don't know, the 109, maybe the 108, depending on what my team looked like. If I really need a tight end, I still believe in him. Uh, I st- I I haven't updated my rankings in a few weeks, but I had him at tight end one overall. It's probably a little bit cute, I know, <laughs> but I've always been a fan of his. The injury thing is super annoying. I really hope he is not. Uh, not Jordan Reed. I don't think these injuries are, you know, they're not the concussion related. So I don't think we're necessarily worried about him just not going to not, not playing football anymore. Uh, like we have been with Reed for several seasons, but uh, yeah, I, I still love the talent. This team seems like it's on the upswing. They have all the pieces in place. I guess the one concern is, is if they do draft a big time wide receiver this year, uh, we we've seen that uh, when Odell Beckham was around that, that Evan Ingram kind of faded to the background a little bit, but with these kind of, uh, I don't want to call them bit receivers. That's probably not fair 
compare to guys like Darius Slayton and and uh, uh, Sterling Shepard and these guys. But uh, you know, I think he's probably still going to be the focus of the offense passing attack uh, when when those guys are around. If it's not Saquon Barkley, so I think there's a little bit of risk there in buying him. But I'm still willing to pay that late first pretty easily for Ingram. I like Ingram as well. In general, I would consider myself a buyer. Uh, I'm, I'm not paying Julio Jones for him. Uh, that that one's pretty crazy. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure if I'm giving a first rounder for him. You just think about tight end value, and, and I think I could get uh, other guys that are in that same tier or close to it for less. So because of that, I would say I probably would not pay a first rounder for him, but I think that's that's fair value. Yeah, it, it's in the it's somewhere in the at the end of the first round. The line is, you know, we play in a lot of leagues that are tight end premium or, or two tight end leagues. That really adds to the value of these kind of guys with with tight end one overall kind of upside and, and weak winning potential every time he's on the field. That is a big problem when he's not on the field. And now two consecutive years of will he won't he play towards the end of the year. It. It's kind of annoying as an Evan Ingram owner, especially in those leagues where the tight end is so valuable. I think all of this, myself saying this, you guys saying what you have, makes me feel like there are owners, there are plenty of owners out there that are discouraged by what's gone on over the last couple of seasons with Evan Ingram. And maybe you're not getting the discount. Maybe you're not getting him for cheap. But, but maybe he's available now and he and he wasn't last off season when we we're all hoping he was he would be that top three guy and jump into that elite tier at the position still a young guy uh and I think the theme of the show still a guy that I want on my dynasty team we bought a lot of guys this week we're gonna buy a lot this off season we're gonna talk about it a lot it'll continue next week in the week 17 edition of the DLF dynasty podcast thanks for listening for Ryan. And Matt, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week.